Welcome to Guided Way Ministries with Pastor Alan Rogers. In a fast-growing cold world, this message offers you the bread of life and an opportunity to drink from the fountain of living water. In this message, you will hear only the truth, and if you do not want to listen to it, turn it off. If you are hungry for revelation in the Word of God, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you are looking to be spiritually uplifted, be willing to listen, and listen with all your attention. For what you will hear in this message is not carnal, but spiritual. We hope you are blessed, edified, and fully rejuvenated in your spirit to continue with everyday life. Today I'll be talking about uh, being dressed for the occasion or dressing for the occasion. Just about every event, sport, or job, there's a uniform or formal attire that people wear because they are part of it. And at weddings, they usually want uh, people matching because that's how weddings go. Just There is coaches that won't let their teams, they won't just tell their teams, hey, whatever you guys want to wear to the game, that's what you can wear. They have their uniforms so that everyone can be in line and show that they are on the same team. And a government official or a pastor, they won't show up to their place or even to church, you know, like as if they were going to be dressed at the beach. It just doesn't happen. And there's even things, professions where if you hear the word like military, you think of camouflage. It's just things associated with that. And like at the gym, if someone was to show up in an astronaut suit, you'd think they were crazy because it's just not the attire to wear. So being followers of Christ and soldiers of the Most High serving God, we are no exception. The devil's getting his army ready and God's getting his army ready. And we don't fight against flesh and blood, the Bible tells us this, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. So God wanting us to be in the uniform and what we need to succeed, he gave us the armor of God. And not only is it just the armor of God, but it's God's armor. That's a very important thing to know, that it's his armor that he gave to us. And the reason he gave it to us is because he knows our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak, and we tend to give into the flesh too often, and it leads to our own demise. And like, if there is a disease or outbreak of something dangerous, they have special teams like the hazmat group will go up because they have the uniform for it. They can handle the problem and be right inside of the problem, but they won't be affected by the problem. Yes. And that's with the having the armor of God. We will be in the world, but we're not of the world. We're just in it and we can get through it. And if you could turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. So in Ephesians chapter six, verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So wiles, it's a trick or a statement meant to deceive, meant to beguile. It's meant to get you confused and off path. And the very first attack method that the devil used in the Garden of Eden was a manipulative lie. He took what God said and he twisted it to make to confuse Eve into sinning. And Jesus also says that the devil is a father of lies, so what else would we expect but to be lied to? So in Ephesians 6, if you go down to verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, 
and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I, I broke down each each part of the. I wanted to know a little bit more of why they were associated with what they were associated with. And uh, after I did it, di it did make sense. So our loins, our loins are about the area of our abs, our waist, our midsection, or commonly known as the trunk. And this is pretty much the center of our gravity and where we get most of our power from and stability. And the, the example I had for this that made sense was when I first started taking my dog on a bike ride, I just held the leash because I wanted to eventually have him off of the leash running next to me, but he didn't know that at the beginning, so I had the leash. And when I would hold the leash, I still needed to hold my handlebars, so I'd hold my handlebars. But he was, he's just, who he is, a little bit jumpy, frightful, and even of garbage cans, when it, I learned that when it was trash night in certain neighborhoods, all their trash cans were out, he was just scared of the trash cans. And I didn't know this at first, so when we were riding, I'd go, you know, next to a trash can, and he'd run away. He'd pull me with it, and, you know, three times out of four, it'll always end in an accident. Just, you know, just because he would take my hand, or even when I got ready, because diesels would pass by semis, and when they have their air built up, then they let it out. And, you know, how, who's, who's to know when that's going to happen? So when I was driving in a semi would pass, and sometimes it was psh, the air, he'd run. And then, you know, right away my arm would jerk, I'd have to grab him, and, or even if he'd stop to pee on something, and I didn't know, then, you know, I, I, it, it wasn't good. But later, I thought, well, if I put it around my waist, he won't be able to do that. So I wrapped the leash around my waist, and then when something happened, you know, I'd give a little sway, but I would not lose near as much control as if I just had it in my hand. And then if he was to stop, I would go, there'd be a very small jerk, but then he would get pulled with me because the loins, it's our center of gravity, our stability. So if we have our loins girt about with truth, God's truth, when we go out into the world or when we're faced with the situation, we won't be tossed to and fro like the Bible says with every wind of doctrine. Yeah. We might hear something, but it's not going to pull us away from our faith or pull us away from what we believe in God because we're well-rooted, we're very stable in our loins. So the truth being there, we will not be just led astray quickly because we'll be well-rooted. Yes. And if the devil goes and says, oh, look this way or come this way or twist the scripture on us, we won't be pulled into it and taken off course. On the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate covers most of anyone's vital organs in their heart. It keeps them safe. And righteousness, being morally right, or just, or free from sin or guilt, which is, uh, you know, if anyone asks how many of us are free of guilt or sin, you know, none of us could honestly say we are. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Isaiah 64.6 says that all right, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So we are definitely not qualified or worthy to have the breastplate of righteousness and God knows that and we could never get that armor and it's very vital to have so that's why he gave us his because he has mercy on us and compassion that doesn't fail so he gives it to us so that we are able to be worthy because he makes us worthy to wear it to be right to have his uh, word hid in our heart that we might not sin against him that makes us be right makes us be righteousness because he gave us what is needed to overcome yeah. and not fall. And not that we're supposed to wear it with pride, but with boldness and confidence. Like when we, you know, sometimes joke around and guys will walk around with their chest all big and out. 
because you know they're feeling good or they go to the gym and then they walk you know they're feeling taller they're feeling like they accomplished something they're feeling in a good sense of a way proud so God giving us that he want you know he gave it to us even though we didn't deserve it so we should feel good about it and in Proverbs 3 it says to let our heart keep his commandments that we might not sin against him and to write the truth on the table of our hearts so if we have that written his word on the table of our hearts and keeping his commandments and then we have his breastplate on us our heart will be protected and what we have inside of us won't be so easily attacked and killed because underneath our breastplate is our all our vital vital organs and having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace Jesus is the Prince of Peace Amen. and he says he will make our feet like Heinz feet and the significance of having feet like Heinz feet is deer is that when they are being chased or anything they're the animal that can run up a mountain they can traverse very dangerous and steep terrain and the whatever's chasing them can't get them and their feet when they place their front feet on the rock their back feet are able to go exactly where their front feet were because since the front feet were there safe their back feet will go right there because that was the safe point and then they'll keep climbing very fast very quickly allowing them to escape the enemy obviously we don't have those kinds of feet but he says he will give us feet like theirs so spiritually when we are attacked and we've been reading our Bible, our feet are shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace. When the enemy comes to chase us or to attack us, or we see a harmful, harmful situation that will get us away from God, we are able to run and escape and not get caught. And the devil, he won't be able to follow us and catch us because we were given the proper feet by God. Amen. My dog being another great example for this, He's big, strong, fast, uh, and agile, but when he gets on a wooden floor or tile, he's, he's pretty much useless. If I'll, I run away real quick and on the floor, he, he's, he has no traction. And then he, or even if I open the door and tell him to go real quick, he takes you know a good four or five strides before he actually is able to make any forward progress. So us, we don't want to be like that when it comes to either needing to share the word to someone or using the word to fight back against the enemy. We don't want to be tractionless. We want to be able to put our foot down and go. Yes. And people, if they can look respectful or look professional, but without God's word, without their feet being shod, they what they say won't have any effects because they don't have Jesus behind them. And the shield of faith, the shield is a very important and the in verse 16 it says above all taking the shield of faith because a shield is your defense anything that comes at you you just put your shield up you just block it if you didn't have your shield you'd have to be dodging you'd have to be a lot more aware you'd be a little bit more in fear because you didn't have something you can get behind and uh, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked are the lies that he tries to confuse us with or make us follow and to quench when you're thirsty and you drink water your your thirst doesn't stay there at all quenching it means you get rid of it it goes yes. away you're no longer even thinking about water because when you drink water you quench the thirst and now it's gone so a fiery dart we're able to quench if he hits us with and we block it with our shield not only do we block it but we quench it and his attack becomes nothing Amen. and we don't even need to worry about it because the shield of faith we protect ourselves 
with the promises of God, we have faith in God. So anything that comes against us that we're presented with, we just say, well, I have faith in God. And he said that nothing will come against me that I, you know, is too much for me. So that shield we hold up is really the faith that we have in God. If you don't have faith in God, when something comes against you, you won't have anything to protect yourself with. And if the devil was to tell us, well, God isn't with you, or you've been sinning so long, or you made a mistake, this is too much for you, you might as well, you know, throw in the towel with your spiritual life. He'll, he can twist a verse and bring it to you and say, well, though a righteous man may fall seven times, he'll rise back up. So if you fall this time, you know, Jesus will raise you back up. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're not supposed to just take advantage of God's, you know, kindness and mercy. And if he tells you, well, if you fall, you won't be utterly cast down. That's what it says in Proverbs. You've got to block it out because not just, oh, well, this temptation is too much, so I'm just going to give in to it. You're not supposed to succumb to him twisting the scriptures. And having the helmet of salvation, Jesus is our salvation. Yes. God gave him to us. And whether you're the leader or the head of the household, the head of the church or, you know, the head at work, protection and guidance is needed. Amen. So then... Whether, you know, Pastor Allen, for say, he's the head of the church, the helmet goes over the head. There's still something that goes over whoever's in charge. Yes. And what we need to do is choose Jesus to go over us so that we can be protected. Our mind can be protected. Any uh, helmet still allows for vision because you need to be able to still see. Yes. And the devil will capitalize on that because then he'll put a temptation in front of you or something to catch your eye. And then immediately what you see goes to your mind because it just that's just how it works. And then that's where the battle begins. And it, say, it says in the Bible that we tie ourselves up with the cords of our own sin. And just like the way a spider web will start out of only one strand, eventually you give it enough time and there is a web that can trap whatever it's going for. I even saw some webs on the internet that catch birds. That's a pretty big web to catch a bird. All made from just one string at a time going so if the devil gives us something in front of our eyes and we don't immediately rebuke it that's one string that we'll tie ourselves up with and then one string gets us a little bit further away and then we see another string and before we know the only reason we probably notice we're tied up is because we have no more hands to tie us up even more and then we need to obviously cry out to Jesus and tell him to take us out of it because we chose to fall to our temptations so Jesus saving us, God gives us the helmet and says to basically wear it. And when you see something you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you got to bring that inevitable evil thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and yes. to keep your mind on Jesus and he will give you perfect peace. Amen. And the sword of the spirit, when you finally get to the part of doing actual offense instead of just defense, if you guys haven't noticed, Jesus is who God used in the Old Testament. He's been, you know, he told uh, the people in the Bible, before Abraham was, I am. And then in the beginning was the word. He was, he was back there. He was, he was pretty much, I guess you could say, God's son was his go-to guy. And now, when the New Testament comes up, he gave him us, which is God's armor. He gave us Jesus. He gave us his son. And sometimes I've heard people in the Bible say, well, Jesus was perfect. He's God's son. He made no mistake because that was his, that's what he had to do. And then they think, well, how can we measure up to that kind of a guy? But if you think about it, he had to not make a mistake. God made him not because if 
then he was to die and God said, well, here's my armor, here's my son, call him when you're in trouble, he'll get you out of it. He didn't fall to any temptations, you can live up to it too. We would say, well, actually, Jesus failed. If God was to let him have fall to some temptations, we would, we would throw that back at God. Well, you're going to give us uh, your son who, who he actually failed. So how do we know that he won't fail us? But that's why Jesus didn't fail. Because then when God gave us his armor, there's no flaws. There's nothing that we can say, well, Jesus actually didn't do this. So how can we? Instead, he said, well, everything that Jesus did, you will be able to do that and more. And uh, Jesus says, uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Some of the most powerful words, I think, that are in the Bible was when Jesus said, it is written. Because he was under attack. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And instead of just fighting, all he said, beside, he's quoted scripture. But everything that he said besides scripture was just, it is written. He didn't try to come up with his own battle plans or anything. He just said, it is written. So when the devil comes up to us and says, Oh, God has forsaken you, or this is too much, you should quit. Instead of just saying, Well, is it too much? Or yeah, this is lasting long. We just need to say, No, it is written that he will never leave us or forsake us. Yeah. Or that it is written, I won't go through anything more than I can bear. Yes. We need to tell that to the devil. And it also says in the Bible, we can tell the devil, it is written that if I resist you, you will flee. Yes. And then what is he going to be able to do but do it? He doesn't have a choice. And there was a guy who fell to his lust and slept with another man's wife. And when he found out she was pregnant, he planned to have her husband killed. And we all know this guy. His name is David. Yes. We go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. So 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 2 will go... Uh, two to six. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the, the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman who was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. So David, it says being a man after God's own heart. He was in previous situations where he was faced with things and he came out very victorious. Like the one time when he, I don't remember who he was with, but he came across Saul who was sleeping and the Bible says that the Lord put him under deep sleep. And the guy who he was with said that the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hand. You can kill him. He's sleeping. He, here's his spear. You can get him and he won't. He, this is basically Saul is a sitting duck. God delivered him into your hand. And David responding the way he was supposed to because he had discernment to know right from wrong when it was presented to him. He said no. Basically, he said, it is written that you're not supposed to touch the Lord's anointed. Amen. So therefore, this isn't God delivering him into my hand because God said, don't touch the Lord's anointed. So why would he give him to kill me? Why would he give me the opportunity to kill him when I'm not supposed to? So going back to when he's on top of the roof, when he sees her, he could have his, shield, uh, his helmet of salvation on, but when he sees Bathsheba, you know, naked that's that's not where the problem is because his shield his helmet still allows for vision and then he gets the mind oh she's very beautiful 
and then you know the natural things happen to him that's not where the sin took place but when he and then he says well who is this and then someone before he says David says go find out who she is before someone goes to find out who she is one of them said is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite so before he went down and found that out someone told him who she was and that's when he should have thought oh it says in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. It even says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. It says it's very specific. But he didn't do that. He said, well, go get her anyways and bring it to me. And I, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but why else would it be happening? I could imagine the devil being there saying, well, David, buddy, come on, you're king. Whatever you want, shouldn't you be able to get? And although it's great that the devil can't control us and can't make us do anything and God he most of the time won't but he does have the power to make us do what we need to do because it's for our own good so then David thinking well he might have thought well you know I am the king why can't I have this woman he didn't you know regard the word of God that he was basically not supposed to instead he chose to fall to it to his sin and then one sin or one chord that he participated in led to the other. Because not only did he get one of the chords when he said, well, bring her to me anyways, but then he committed adultery, he, he coveted, that's another two chords. And then when she was pregnant, he, you know, told, well, bring me her husband. Because he, I don't know if he was going to try and make Uriah sleep with her because he brought her, he brought him back and said, go home for a few days. You know, it, I don't know if his plan was to um, cover up what he did because he thought, well, you know, a man away in war, he comes back home, why would he not sleep with his wife? But Uriah didn't because he felt a little bit convicted that, you know, all his partners out there were in the battle, so he didn't even go home. So then when that didn't work, David sent the letter to have him killed by the guy, which is very sad because the guy delivered his own death letter, which was another sin which ultimately led to David, you know, not being able to have that son because God said, well, you know, I won't let you have that because it was a sin. And then later David wrote Psalm 51 about that situation because after it was all said and done, he was very sorry about it. He was very sad that he fell to it. And in that verse, you know, he's begging God to forgive him and he wants to, you know, create in him a clean heart, you know, because he's, he's very sorry about it. So if we listen to the flesh, and take our armor off at any time or choose not to put it on whether we don't just die on the spot we are very vulnerable to death to yeah. the attacks of the devil and in the bible it says cursed is the man's heart who departs from the lord so if we intentionally move from the lord and say well i'm not going to do this today or that today which is good we will then be cursed and we can't overcome the wickedness of the devil and of the world with anything that we invent ourselves because it's all spiritual and we cannot solve a spiritual problem with a physical thing. And I've heard some people say that they can't make it through the day without their coffee. If they don't start off the day with their coffee, the rest of the day is bad. So spiritually speaking, our spiritual man cannot make it through the day without the armor of God. If we you know, go out of our house without the armor of God and we immediately get bombarded with, let's say, our car not starting or having a flat tire or um, you know, a spider being on it or something, and we just it, it just can barrel and we bombard us for the rest of the day because we didn't have our armor of God on. 
And uh, once you, I want to leave you guys with, uh, don't forget that the devil is a father of lies. So when you yes. are told anything or think anything, thought, you always need to reflect it back to the scripture to see if it's an attack or if it's a good thought. And God sent his prophet Nathan to David in chapter 12, verse 8. I'll read that to you. And he sent him and he said, And I gave thee thy master's house. This is the Lord telling Nathan what to tell David. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. So he's telling David, You didn't need to sin against me. Thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. You didn't need to do that. If you needed more i would have gladly given it to you you didn't need to go sin to get what you thought you wanted so yes just make sure you wear and are equipped you're dressed for the occasion the occasion being the spiritual war against the devil and uh god gave us his son so that we can overcome any and everything that we might face so yes and may the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all pass it over to pastor alan you'll receive my You know, it's a, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When you don't do what you know you're supposed to do, it's dangerous. Because yes, God is a loving God. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's loving. But he doesn't go against his own word. And he don't go against his own promises. So when you do, when David did, I though, even though David was a man after God's own heart, he, the Bible says, I found, which means God looked for him and found a man after his own heart. Still, he doesn't go against his word. And he said, thou shalt not covet, don't take thy neighbor's wife. And when David did that, David didn't escape the punishment just because he was God's, a man after God's own heart. Because God don't go against his word. So when he tells all of us anything, if we don't do it, we got problems. Because we have to do what God tells us to do. No matter if we're the pastor, the deacon, the bishop, the usher, it doesn't matter how high up you want to call yourselves. You have to obey the word of God. That helmet has to be someone. So nobody in any church should be say, I'm up there because you're not. Everybody is under Jesus Christ. Everybody is under his commandments. Everybody's equal in the sight of God. We may have different roles, but all of our roles are under Jesus Christ. He is the head. He's the helmet. He's the protection. He's the leader that we may need to follow at all times. And I praise God for this message today, man. We need to keep the armor of God on at all times. Never take it off. And, and with that, to pick up our cross daily and follow Christ. God is amazing. We're going to open up the altar if anybody needs prayer. Come up. God is good. He answers. He's strong. He's almighty. There's nothing that God cannot do. God can do the impossible. God can do the impossible. Come up for your grandchildren. The Bible says that he's Jesus is looking for somebody to stand in the gap. And, and right now, my neighbor's Mary and her husband, they have a family situation. 
So we are helpers one of another. And there's not a problem that God cannot solve. There's not a situation that God is out of control of. The biggest fights are easy with God. The biggest problems are nothing in God's sight. The world is his footstool, so every problem in the world is beneath him. He can take care of everything. So we have Mary today, but we're all going to go as a church, and we are going to pray for her family, for her grandchildren, for whatever situation that this is, because God can handle anything. He is the one that heals. He's the one that mends broken hearts. He's the one that puts families together. And he's the one that can tear a family apart. God does what he wants to do with me. He wants to do it with us. So we are going to stand in the gap for this family. And we're going to watch and see what God does with this family. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another day. Yes. Thank you, my God, for gathering us Thank together you, one Jesus. more time. Thank you, my God, for every precious yes. promise that you have yes. made us. Yes. Thank you, my God, because you are a God of power. You, you are a God of might. You are a God of mercy, a God of compassion. You're not a God that will ever fail. And I thank you and I praise you, my God, for these opportunities to come together. My Father, you said, ask and it shall be given. You said, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you, my God. And Lord, I'm asking that you watch over Brother Isaac, oh Lord God, and that you will give him the desires of his heart, my God. That you will feed him
Jesus. Put on the suppressed pain of righteousness. 
Jesus. Have the shield of faith. That teach us how to use the sword of the spirit, which is your word. That we may say that it is written that we are the children of the most high God. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And I thank you, my God. And I praise you. Oh, for all that you have done. The word of God that you have heard and received with an open heart to live it out actively with all of your being will yield you a bountiful return. Thank you for listening to this message as I hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you the path of life and an opportunity of a lifetime. It is Christ's love and support that makes this opportunity possible. Please visit Guided Way Ministries online for more products, partnership, or to join. Visit us on Anchor to become a listener supporter. May God bless you, may He keep you, may He shine His face always upon you, and may He forever keep you.